Hey, Collaborist. I'm Ben Leroy. And I'm Jason Buckholtz. And you are listening to Collaboracast. How's it going, Jay? I'm doing very well. How are you, sir, on the eve of your birthday? Uh, I'm doing okay on the eve of my birthday. You had an I, early one today, huh? Yeah. Um, I would like to also point out that my birthday was also the same day that we launched Collaborist in 2022. So we have now entered our terrible twos. So if you come to hire us or ask us to speak somewhere, you're getting bad behavior for at least the next 366 days because it is a leap year. It is a leap year. So you're going to have to take that into account. It is probably handfuls of Cheerios thrown around the room. And no, definitely. But I mean, what's new, right? I'm always old Cheerio bowl (laughs) throwing then. Before we get started today, I do want to mention that today's discussion includes a a not graphic, but a mention of a sexual assault. So um, if that is something that is um, triggering, then please, please be aware and listen with caution. All right. Well, uh, what we're getting into today continues our discussion about memoir, like we were discussing in our last episode with Meg Kissinger and the episodes before that. I will also apologize to those who are viewing at home. I am running the production booth and talking at the same time. Um, Our intrepid and dear Caitlin will be back next episode. We're just kind of sneaking this one in. So any technical issues, if anything's not working right, that is all on Ben. All right. Don't so, come at Caitlin. Don't don't at Caitlin. Yeah. Don't don't go crazy in the comments. At, no, at you're, you're used to our to our slick our new slick production values here in season two, but going back to grassroots. <laughs> oh, I, I and I do want to mention because more than one person pointed out to me that in our last video, I basically looked like I was standing within six or seven feet of the sun and that the color had been blasted out. I have historically been using, if you if you notice like good video quality, it was because I was using my actual camera and my DSLR. And it was a cumbersome rig to put together. I decided to join the 21st century and get a, a good, webcam so i'm shooting this today using the logitech 4k and um i'm sure that there are a few settings that i'm gonna have to figure out over time so today is the first day but just just want to point that out just want to point it out uh so what is the hyper specific niche of memoir that we will be discussing today One of the questions we get asked very often has to do with legal liability. And we need to to preface this with a very big banner saying, we are not lawyers. Do not use this podcast as part of a legal defense. (laughs) Do not take anything that we say as legal advice. Get that from an actual lawyer. Um, But we have been around the industry for some time and we've seen some things and we know how to read things and think about them and talk about them. So that's what we're going to do here today and talk about some of the uh, possible consequences you can expose yourself to via 
publishing a memoir and how to minimize, I won't say eliminate because this is America and uh, people sue each other for all sorts of things all the time. It's one of our national pastimes. Indeed. But to uh, you can actually expect to get some paperwork in the mail later today, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a Thursday. Somebody they are doing this. unboxing videos on YouTube. Here's your you're being sued yeah. video. Here's the peanut. subpoena unboxing <laughs> yeah. videos. That would be a good. That would be a good Instagram account. Just all. Yeah. I'm sure it probably exists. What am I saying? Yeah. Um, so anyway, what do you need to be on the lookout for as a memoirist? How do you navigate um, possible legal legal problems? The two big things that a memoirist needs to look out for are one, defamation, and two, invasion of privacy. Defamation is the easier one because it's a little more straightforward, it's a little more clear-cut in terms of the law. It it entails both slander and libel. Slander being so this is defamation is the ruining someone's reputation, doing something to besmirch somebody's good name in the public eye. And you can do that either verbally, which is slander, or libel, which is in writing. And it, it really has to do with making false statements. If somebody deserves to have a bad reputation and they're kind of doing so publicly, then that writing about that is not going to get you in trouble. But if you if you fabricate things, if you make things up, then you can be sued for defamation. And there's the gray area where you may be saying something true, but it is not verifiable. And because you can't prove it, uh, now you are defamed. A lawyer will take the case that you are defaming somebody because you cannot prove that they did something wrong, even if you witnessed it and experienced it firsthand. Right. So the ways to minimize your the possibilities of finding yourself on the receiving end of a defamation claim is, one, don't make stuff up. Um, you can frame things as opinion. Uh, this isn't foolproof. You you do have to have your opinion supported by by some kind of facts. You can't just make up something crazy about somebody and then just say, "Well, that's just my opinion." That that's not going to get you out of trouble. You need to have. Yeah, we we have a reliance in our society on the phrase, "Well, some people are saying," which is kind of the weaselly way of like i'm not saying it i'm just letting you know that some people of which i might be part of but some people are saying it it's the journalist's way of confronting people it's like well what about people who say that you're a complete and utter <laughs> what would you say to what would you say to those hypothetical people um so yeah you got to have some facts there you got to have some 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 basis for having your opinion um, something that we talk a lot about with our clients is changing names. And and that is one way that you can minimize the chances of, of defamation. But it's not enough to just do names. You have to change all, all the identifying characteristics. Anything that could lead somebody... I shouldn't say you have to, because that's really not how the law works. But it isn't enough to just 
change your name. You have to change all of anything that could lead anybody to figure out who that person actually is. You have to make them unrecognizable. Right. And that is um, that was the basis of of the case with running with scissors. Um, that was I think it was about 2003. So this was a member by Augustine Burroughs. Uh, and he wrote about his childhood and a family that he lived with. And he portrayed them in, in quite, there was a lot of abuse, a lot of dysfunction. Um, he changed their name, but he didn't really change much else about, about who this family was. And the family sued him. They had a different name. They sued him. They said, yeah, this is us. And they also, and, and they claimed that he had made some things up. And he, they, you know, a lawyer took up the case, brought the lawsuit. They ended up settling out of court. He ended up having to put in a disclaimer in all subsequent editions of the book from that point, um, where he, he issued an apology and a disclaimer about, uh, you know, there's memories vary about this. I think, and I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I think he, w there were also some restrictions put on the, just using the label memoir in conjunction with that book. So he changed their names, but he didn't change enough else. He didn't change enough to prevent them from being able to be identified in the community where they lived by people who knew them and so on. And, you know, it's impossible to say how that court case would have gone, but you think they settled out of court, you know, the writing was on the wall, right? Right. Things were, things were not looking good for, for the author in that case. Um, and, a, and a disclaimer. So, it, well, in terms of, of what you're going to change, identifying things could be anything from speech mannerisms, clothing, addresses, actions, just really kind of anything distinct about somebody, which is probably which, why you want to write about them in the first place because of those <laughs> distinctions. But you have to be pretty careful there. Um, another thing you can do to, to minimize your defamation lawsuit chances are, are to include a disclaimer, like, like Burroughs ended up having to do, you know, put something in there. It's like, you know, I, this is the best of my memory, um, so on and so forth. Again, not foolproof, but, but it can, it can help you. It can help you if you're not saying, yes, this absolutely happened a hundred percent. This is, this is a recorded the recorded gospel truth. So that's defamation. Invasion of privacy is... So few of us have to worry about defamation because very few of us are making things up about, about people, hopefully. Invasion of privacy is is a little bit different. And, and with that, that lawsuit with Running With Scissors, they sued him for both invasion of privacy and defamation. So... It, it's impossible to say which of the which aspect of the lawsuit was the more uh, kind of pressurizing, but I, I kind of assume it was the invasion of privacy one. Um, he, it's kind of a he said she said situation when it comes to whether the facts were what they were. That you know it's his memoir, his story, and we'll talk a little more about the the effects of that. But. Um, Invasion of privacy is you can be sued if you make private information public. And that includes things like medical records, adoption histories, 
incidences of abuse, alcoholism, any other info that wouldn't typically be accessible to the public, that's obviously a huge umbrella. And that really could prevent any of us from writing <laughs> anything nonfiction ever. But there are um, there are some ways around it. So last our last episode, we had a, a wonderful interview with Meg Kissinger, the author of uh, While You Were Out. And she, you know, for those of you who haven't heard it, she wrote a memoir about her her siblings and and mental health. And of she was one of eight siblings. Uh, six of them are remaining, and she was able to she contacted all of them prior to publishing the book and had them review the work and said, this isn't going to be editing by committee, but this is what I'm writing about you. And if you have, you know, if, if there's something in here that's going to make it so that you never speak to me again, then let's talk about it. But, you know, I'm, this is, this is my story and I'm going to put it out, but I want you to know it's coming and, 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 and be ready for it. And, you know, and we can have a conversation about it before it goes to press. But um, yeah, if you can, best case scenario is to get permission from from the people who are in your book, from the people who you're going to be writing about, and you can, and especially written permission. If you get that in writing, then they can't come back later, and and sue you for what they had previously given you permission for. Do you think, as far as understanding the concept of invasion of privacy, as you've outlined it here, that we could draw at least a fuzzy equivalence to in the medical world, what a HIPAA violation would be. Like you're divulging something that you're not supposed to, that you, that you aren't supposed to be divulging. Uh, yeah. Remember, I would say so. remember we're not lawyers. So right. or, or doctors. <laughs> yeah. I'm overreaching <laughs> on this concept greatly, but I was impressed when I came up with it. So I wanted to share it. Speculating about a metaphor about which neither side of which we have any. Can we business. evaluate metaphors? Yes. Can we do so about legal or medical things? Probably not a good idea. No, it's just like it's just like the astrophysicists say. <laughs> when I was a brain surgeon, we let's often talk go, about let's just go full imposter. Let's just go full imposter. Um again, you can you can change identifying characteristics. Often you are not going to get permission. You're writing about people who are, you know, it, it could be contentious. There could be stories of abuse. So there, there are some interesting facets to invasion of privacy. Uh, you know, one of them being if you're if you're famous, if you're a public figure, then you don't quite. If if you're writing about a public figure then you kind of have greater First Amendment protection because the law looks and says, well, that person has put themselves up for scrutiny. They've stepped into the spotlight. They've decided to become a public figure. Um, you know, whether it's politicians or celebrities, it's like they have ch made a choice that they want to be in the public spotlight. Their lives are of interest to people. And so that's that's another aspect of it is that if if your storytelling, if the stories that you're telling are deemed to be in the public's interest, then that can then then that can provide a a a, a that can protect you from lawsuits, basically. Um, so 
you know, there is, if, if telling the story somehow is, and, and the only thing that you really need to demonstrate public interest is in some cases a publishing contract. So if a publisher says, yeah, I want to publish this, then that, that alone can be evidence that there is public interest in your story. And that can demonstrate that, that, that can confer first amendment protection on, on your writing. Another aspect of it is how involved you personally are in the story. So if, if it's your personal story, let's say, you know, a lot of, we've worked with a lot of clients who are writing about childhood abuse. They are going to have more latitude to write about that than, a, say, a journalist who is observing the situation from the outside and writing about it. So, you know, you have their the, kind of that that third party, that disinterested, impassionate, not imp dispassionate third party observer. They, they're going to have a higher bar for what they can demonstrate is is of public interest than than. The person who was there, who lived it, who maybe was the victim of these things, who experienced it. Um, there was a a case, uh, Susanna Kaysen, who I, her most famous work is uh, Girl Interrupted. But she also wrote a book, The Camera My Mother Gave Me, um, which included a, a it, it, she wrote about her ex-boyfriend. And it included a scene where she suggested that he'd raped her. Um, he, she didn't name him at all, but there was this suggestion and, and he sued her and the courts, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the disposition was, but she was found not responsible for whatever it was he sued her for the invasion of privacy. She was exonerated because she it was, it was her story. She was involved. She was an interested party. And so the courts uh, determined that, that she had a right to tell that story. And, you know, I think that that is probably the case. There have been a lot of, a lot of memoirs all along those lines. So I, I think that if you're telling your story, you're telling your own story, you're going to have a lot more, latitude to do so than if you're telling someone else's story if it didn't happen to you if you're on the outside looking in 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 that same vein a famous you know we've talked about a million little pieces the james fry book which i think was also about in the early 2000s yeah um where he 2003 or 2004 so yeah that was same year of running with scissors that was an interesting year in the memoir world um, so he, you know, was found to have fabricated a great deal of information in a book that he sold as memoir and, and Random House, his publisher ended up paying tens of thousands of dollars out in refunds to readers because of that. Um, and that, that is distinct from kind of this, this last case where is, you know, in, in that case, the publisher and the author were kind of in on this together. But yeah, I remember case, that there was some discussion at the time of, do you put this book out as fiction and fictionalize as much as you want and just know that it's inspired by a true story or whatever people say in that case? Or is there a market purpose to put it out as memoir in that you think it is more compelling and likely to be purchased by a potential reader if they believe this to be the true story, if they believe this to be the memoir. 
And so I can't remember because I barely remember what I did yesterday, what the exact conversation was at the time, but there was definitely conversation around the fact that it had been considered to go either way and that that was part of the process and ultimately it was chosen to be published as memoir which readers were not um not very happy with once once kind of the true story came out and yeah they weren't in the pub board meeting where that discussion was being had so they had no reason to know that right um uh, another situation, though, is if the author is not honest with the publisher about about what's happening. And there is a uh, a case in the news right now where Mark Meadows, uh, Trump's former chief of staff, his he wrote a book called The Chief's Chief. Uh, All Seasons Press is his publisher, and the. The memoir is the his narrative of the election, um, and you know the election stealing the election, all those allegations, and he has made comments to Jack Smith's investigators that contradict what is in the book, and so now his publisher is suing him for a great deal of money. It's almost three million dollars, but he got a three hundred fifty thousand dollar advance which they're trying to get back. And then there's another two and a half million plus in damages that they're seeking from him um, because they're basically saying you lied in this book. You're under oath telling Jack Smith's investigators one thing. This book is, and that directly contradicts what, what you've got in this book, which we paid you a ton of money for and we're expecting tons of profits on. So um, that's all, that's all happening right now. So be honest with your publisher <laughs> yeah absolutely don't don't make stuff up one way or the other yeah don't make it hard on them right but there are um in in publishing contracts there are specific sections that are are dedicated to this and you were what did you say that they you're going to know these better than than i do from uh, the there's, publishing there's two, days yeah there's two parts to um contract that an author is signing that are warranties and indemnifications. And again, I'm not a lawyer and I'm just kind of going based on my understanding and memory and I think it's ballpark good enough. But the warranty is something, the warranty clause in a contract is something that an author is signing that you're saying uh, a couple of things and you know, like in the standard contract, it's like, I really wrote this. I have the permission to be the one who is publishing this and entering into a contractual agreement with the publisher. I am telling you that it is not libelous and that this is not at risk for becoming a lawsuit in the future for the publisher. You're saying that you haven't already entered into an agreement to publish this book elsewhere. You're just kind of basically saying, this is my book. Um, there's nothing criminal or uh, open to litigious, reasonable litigious action. Um, and you're just you're making those promises. And then in the indemnification is if it comes out later 
that you did lie or you were libelous or you did engage in disingenuous stuff that is in violation of the warranty clause and somebody brings a lawsuit against the publisher for publishing it the publisher can say yeah you're paying you're you're footing the bill on this like you lied to us under the terms of the warranty clause and now we're having a mess about this and we're going to have to clean that up and because you lied to us you're you're going to be footing the bill for this and in some cases uh the publisher you know is, is using the publisher's legal department to actually fight the thing but it's just saying these are billable hours that you'll be you'll be paying for so how can we can we recap this with a uh, some some bullet points, some pieces of advice from two non-lawyers again, it should be said. Don't make stuff up. If you're writing nonfiction. Get permission from as many people as as you possibly can. Change identification, all identifying information when when necessary, when you can't get permission, when you think it might be a problem. Um, and if it's your story, know that you, you do have a right to tell it. And these are also all, don't let any of this prevent you from writing. These are, these all have to do with publishing. These are publishing issues. So don't let yourself be paralyzed by these considerations before you start writing. If you are going to be traditionally published your publisher is going to have a legal department who's going to go through things and help you make sure that that things are okay if you're going to self-publish um if you're going to self-publish and you think there's a good chance you might sell thousands of copies and get this story disseminated pretty widely then probably get yourself some legal advice Absolutely. In the same way that you're responsible for getting good cover design, good layout, you are the publisher. So you are in charge of all of these things and you need to, to make sure that that happens. I will say that in my time running imprints, uh, one of the last books that I worked on when I was at big company um, was a memoir. And it was about somebody who had grown up in the geographic area of a serial killer in the Midwest. And the memoir was about how it felt growing up during that time, being scared as a, as a youngster. It talked about issues of family abuse. Uh, and the author made a few suggestions, implications about maybe knowing something um, about the case in a, in a more than the public would know. And I do know that that book did get run through the lawyers and they had to make sure that there were no claims being made in the book that might pop up later. So you can sign the warranties contract at the beginning, but if you're with a large enough publisher and they feel like there's any chance that something untoward is going to happen, they will have their legal department review it. And that wouldn't be 
at your expense. That's just their their act of covering themselves to make sure. And finally, if if all of this just seems like too much of a barrier, you can always novelize your story, which is probably what uh, James Fry should have done in the first place. So just put that out as a novel. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about it today. Or if we were, we'd be talking about it in, in very different terms. It, it, when you're looking to kind of process your own life story, publishing it as fiction can be less healing, less rewarding. But if it's if it's the choice of not approaching your story at all and maybe addressing some things and doing some, some deep thinking, if, if you, if you need that distance between yourself and your story in order to be able to address it and think about it, then I think that that can be a, I think that that can be a really good process. I think that can be a really good exercise just for your own personal self growth. Absolutely. I know from personal experience working on my own novel that there are issues that I have dealt with in my life, some of them longer than others, and it's been cathartic and helpful for me to hand those problems off to characters and then say to them, well, what are you going to do? And now I can be the dispassionate outsider who is looking at them and saying, well, this is what you should do, which is basically me saying to myself, this is what you should do. But it allows you to process and really think about things that are pertinent and relevant and perhaps urgent in your own life that are now the realm of your characters. And so you can get that distance. Writing is therapy. It is a thing. Yes, it is. Whether, whether you're doing nonfiction or fiction. And whether it's published or it's not published, it's, it's all very important. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us. If uh, you have stories of your own, if you have anything to add to this conversation, please visit our YouTube comment section. Do not ask us legal questions. Don't ask us medical questions or astrophysics questions. We'll answer them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely answer them, but they're not. And if you do take our legal advice and you win a large settlement, then you do owe us money. But <laughs> if something bad happens, I have nothing to do with it. All right. What did the people want to hear? For story. For community. Collab.